Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. I'm your host, J.M. Prater, and I am joined by... Patrick. And Dan. And it's been a while since we've kind of had a video episode, and we felt like it was time. Uh, there's a lot been going on with our podcast. Uh, we've been rethinking a lot of different things, uh, uh, a lot of uh, kind of some ways forward projects that we're working on, and we felt like now was the time to talk about what we're doing. And we have a new series of shows in the works um and it's it's called the 700 layer cake the cult of blade runner and we've been talking about a lot of, a lot about this in terms of like what uh what that title means or those titles mean and kind of what it encompasses and for us it encompasses uh everything from uh the the legacy of blade runner how it's kind of set the the tone for science fiction why it's considered one of the greatest films of all time in terms of science fiction films the fan base behind it uh the the kind of the religion behind uh the fans of blade runner and just really get into that you know part of this came out of conversations we've had about how we need to re-engage with 2019 because we've been spending so much of the last year especially on 2049 because you know it was a big deal in our community. But um, this is exciting because it's a chance for us to take an extended deep dive into 2019 and to kind of re-engage with it in light of 2049 and also just as its own thing because we're all here because of the original film. That's like that's why that's why we're Blade Runner fans. So now we get the chance to really unpack it and to take this thing that seems sort of like it's always been there and it's always been perfect and it's always been this this just this beautiful crazy masterpiece and to kind of break it down and look at it bit by bit and look at the impact that it's had on film and the impact that it's had on fandom and also just the way it was made and going deep into the creative process and looking at some of the under recognized figures um, and behind the production of it. And um, it's, it's going to be a nice chance to kind of just revel in that film and to return to the, to our roots as a podcast and also as fans, I think. Yeah. We want to talk about, uh, it's inception, the context of, you know, film in the eighties science fiction before, uh, this seminal film and how it affected, um, you know, the market and cinema throughout, um, talk a little bit about, um, the different versions of the film and how important they are and what, what they brought to the table. And, um, yeah, the lasting impact really of, uh, of Blade Runner going forward, um, and how it became this cult that we all love. So we're really excited to engage in this series and, and we're, yeah, it's a, it's a new foray into, uh, the original film that we can, uh, explore with you guys. And we're planning on, uh, you know, making it as interactive as possible and bringing you guys in before episodes and, you know, asking leading questions and trying to um, get some opinions from the fan base. So what I think is interesting uh, and a lot of the impetus behind uh, this series for me, I know we all kind of come at this from different ways, is every article about science fiction that I see that's posted on social media, um, there is always a reference to Blade Runner always reference and every anything that even science fiction films that tend to come out there's a mention oh this is blade runner or like ghost in the shell or uh whether it's uh films about ai you know you have like uh, alex garland's ex machina there's these comparisons right away to blade runner blade runner is this it's almost this bible it's like this religion that everyone's comparing a similar religion to or uh kind of taking a chapter out of i'm watching the show on youtube called origin um and it's not a great show it's a great 
got great production values, but there's a lot of Blade Runner in it. There's a lot of exploration of AI and what that means. And I mean, not as heady or as deep as Blade Runner, but I just really want to get into that. Like, why did Blade Runner set that up? What was it about this film that set the precedent uh, for future science fiction films, whether it's The Matrix or, I mean, everything, or even like shitty science fiction films. Uh, what's that movie uh, with that the Wachowski siblings did, that last terrible movie that they did? Cloud Atlas? No, no, that was Matrix a good movie. Three. No, um, yeah. Uh, no, it was with uh, Jupiter Ascending. Um, even as terrible. Oh my god, I forgot that it came out. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, yeah. But, or then you have more successful films like The Fifth Element, which is all sorts of Blade Runner, all sorts of inspiration. And you can, you know, when you talk to to Luc Besson, the uh, the director, he'll tell you, and he say, yeah, this is direct a direct link to Blade Runner, and it continues to be. And even though our topic is 2019, you see today like you'll see commercials there's a commercial for some screen or something and there's this man on a bridge and he's staring at this big pink woman um a direct you know obviously a direct uh tip of the hat to 2049 so there the, there's a reason that these this film specifically though 2019 set this groundwork and i really want to get into that but not just that also the the theatrical cut what was that like why did you know why was it changed um what what that means, how it changed over time, and uh, the people who love it, the people who don't love it, and uh, our opinions on that. I would really like to explore that. So I have all sorts of Let me of just questions. throw in a – sorry. Uh, let me just throw in a tiny anecdote. Um, but I watched – I was hanging out with a friend last night. We watched Snowpiercer for my first time, which had been on my list for a long time, but somehow it fell through the cracks, and I never saw it. And, you know, I always pick the movies. We were always watching Blade Runner. So I was like, yeah, you pick something, you know, and blah, blah. And so I'm like – not I'm trying to stay away from Blade Runner, but like I'm not trying to think about it. It just happened to be science fiction. And like right away, the bleakness, you know, I was like, okay. I mean, that's that's vague, but there's a little bit of Blade Runner there. And all of a sudden, Tomas Lamarquis jumps into the frame and starts shooting people and talking. And I'm like, oh, crap. And I was like, oh, Jamie interviewed him for Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> and, um, and then there's a line from Ed Harris towards the end where he says, uh, you did a man's work. And I was like. Well, you can't get away from it. <laughs> I'm not making this shit up. <laughs> it is absolutely everywhere. It's rife throughout pop culture. But whether you're talking about cyberpunk, you know, the, the game that's coming out um, on the major console platforms, it's one of the most hyped games in years or references. So excited Fallout. For that. I mean, it, it's like every single pop culture product is held in some degree, if it's science fiction, against the standard that Blade Runner set. Even if it has nothing to do with it, people still just talk about it. it I, I, I'm struck by, um, you know, because we all. Because it's inadvertence. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, which is exactly why a series like this is helpful because it breaks it down and it makes overt some of those links and some of why certain things have resonated. Um, I'm struck by the fact that, you know, we get Google alerts, all of us every day for Blade Runner and for various keywords, and and almost none of them have anything to do with actual Blade Runner, but with the fact that things are compared to it. Like constantly, every single day, I'm like, oh, this this release has Blade Runner elements. This release has Blade Runner, you know, an obvious nod to Ridley Scott's seminal science fiction film. Yeah, It's just day. such a part of culture. And I think it's going to be fun to look at it as something that existed before that, something that existed before it had such a widespread impact as just this film that was released in one cut and then was recut and then recut and then fans recut it and then it came out in different cuts. And then before you know it, you have this product that has had this whole journey to it. Um, and I think that's going to be it's going to be so much fun. And there's even the discussion of the dystopia that Blade Runner sets up. 
where you have a lot of kind of young adult dystopian movies that have come out. But that dystopia, the first dystopian science fiction film, arguably, was Blade Runner. Um, I mean, we had a couple. I mean, you, you do have some dystopian science fiction films that more. Yeah, Metropolis is a big. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's been a trope for a long time, I think. But, but I think Blade Runner does it in a way that speaks more eloquently yes. and more universally. Yeah, yeah it's style and it's what they captured was unique. It wasn't created out of whole cloth. It obviously had inspiration, as all art does. But um, yeah, it, it was never done like that and has never yeah. been done like that or replicated ever again in yeah. my opinion. even though everybody tries to <laughs> all the time and 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 i i'm also excited to talk about fandom in general yeah it's gonna be yeah. fun to break down because for for a lot of us the blade runner fandom has been newer than other franchises that we are associated with just simply because um you know it, it hasn't really had a critical mass online for as long i think um and i, I feel like over the last few years there's just been this explosion of blade runner fandom online and this thing that was once so internal for so many of us is now very externalized and very shared. And that's going to be a fun journey, too. And yeah, certainly and I'm, I'm – go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say I'm excited that we – I don't want to say we're in the middle of it or that we're leading the charge or anything like that. But we're definitely you know, a part of this universe and a part of connecting fandom you know, between um, Ian's Blade Runner groups and, and ours, Fields of Calantha, and, and the actual Children of Ryan Page and, and, you know, and the other um, uh, art – art of Blade Runner type groups that are out there. There's just so much connection and so much conversation. To be honest, sometimes I can't even keep up with it. You know, you guys will show me something and I'm like, oh, I totally missed this conversation, but I want to jump in on it. And so, um, yeah, it, it's always exciting to engage our fans. We're always working hard, um, you know, while while our product and our content and interviews and everything else is always um, what we're pushing. Um, we're always trying to connect with our fans as much as possible. Um, on that note, I know we'll do a separate shout out to our new patrons and I don't have a list by name right now, but you know, we got a couple of new patrons recently. I just wanted to give a general thank you, um, to our patrons and everyone that listens and supports us because we couldn't do it without you. Um, and it's really helpful. And, you know, we're trying to do more of these updates to let you know what projects your, uh, money that you're donating is supporting. And so that, that's a big part of, uh, what we're doing here as well. Yeah. Sean Hewitt and Mark Lemke. Those are the names. Thank you guys for, thank uh, you. for, Thanks, guys. Uh, for your yeah, patronage. But I mean, just to go back to the, to the discussion of Blade Runner and certainly fandom, like I'm friends, I'm friends with Chris Hunter, who was the son of the actor who portrayed, um, Pike, the I think it was named Christopher Pike, in the original Star Trek show. He's a big, huge fan of Blade Runner. He's always making spinners, and um, he's working on a prop right now. Big, 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 huge fan. So I, I, I'm. It's interesting to see. You know when films connect with people because they're buying stuff. They're buying replicas and memorabilia and prop replicas which is all of us have done in the in the varying certainly with blade runner but in the varying fandoms that we belong to and you really know a film is successful when you see that like i mean we are all all three of us are on groups where people are looking for uh like the orb from 2049 or or um an accurate an accurate description or directions on how to fold a unicorn i mean this stuff connects deeply and i think with fandom it connects deeper than some people even realize like they're into it they're on there they're looking for their gun they're looking for Kay's jacket or deckard's jacket or whatever and i think even some of those people don't really realize what is impacting them 
they're they're looking for connection. It's like they're looking for something real, you know. And so they're connecting for they're connecting to Blade Runner in a way that I really want to discuss the way that we discuss everything on our show. So I'm I'm really really excited about it. Here's yeah. an example of my sad attempt at art, but this is you know the little chicken from uh, Blade Runner. Uh, it doesn't quite stand, so it's like my sitting chicken because it the legs just don't work but i still can't throw it away you know it's a beautiful chicken now i gotta keep it (laughs) that's a gorgeous chicken and i just you 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 folded that yeah i remember i did yeah that night when he was doing it because he was texting us at the same time Uh, but Mm -hmm. i love that like there's this drive in us to want to connect more to these movies i mean you know i have something too (laughs) Um, no but I, i mean i've got like k's k's um horse and all sorts of things you know and i just i love that i love that we these that uh, a piece of art can jump into our hearts so intimately that we want oh, yeah. to we want a reminder on our shelves every day i just love that yeah like i have a rachel poster over there that um was by froyland who did the art for our show it's yes it's um quick uh before we move on and yeah there we go before we move on, uh, I wanted to point out that it's interesting because of licensing deals um, or r- relatively a lack of them in Blade Runner fandom. A lot of the art and collectibles that people have are, are homemade, and I think that also says a lot. You know, the fact that we, there there was never like this big major action figure line. There was never any kind of a huge, um, you know, like if you want to get a spinner, you either build it or you get you know one of like two different types you can find online most of which are really expensive you know it's not like there's just toys that you can grow up with as a kid and etc whereas a lot of sci-fi franchises you know benefit from having that in terms of um the world at large so i think it's cool that a lot of this stuff has been homemade and i think that that says quite a lot about the uh, how ardent supporters are um before we move on i have one more thing i want to throw out there which um we're going to have some fun with the structure of this 700 layer cake series we're going to try some new things out um, we're going to take it as an opportunity to kind of um, not reboot our show, but to kind of pick the tone that we want to move forwards with because we're really out of the 2049 release wake at this point. We're going into 2019, actual calendar year 2019. There's a lot more to come on that. We're not going to get into it now, but um, this is obviously a chance for us to kind of be like, all right, so now the show, now what is the next iteration of the show going to be? Um, and to that end, we are hoping to do some more formalistically experimental things, including, hopefully, some audio diaries by some um, rather prominent people in the community and in fandom and creatively, and featuring them in conjunction with some of our other roundtable discussions and some of our some of our personal research um, on the show. Um, and the series is kind of a chance to experiment and play around with that. So we're really excited to bring more voices to the conversation and to give people opportunities to explore themes that mean something to them and lastly to really engage with our listeners because you guys are fans just the way we are and um and your voices deserve to be heard just as much as ours do so a couple of things before we kind of move on to our last topic uh we have a new team member he's just really works uh with us or yeah, in conjunction with us on both Perfect Organism and Shoulder Ryan. His name is Inga Kolstad. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name. He's really amazing. He's just here in a capacity to share the love and share the the posters that we he finds, the fan posters, some links, articles, whatever. And he's so in love with this these films. Um, it's just like this thing that comes natural to him, and he's been great. He's a great guy. Kicking ass. Freaking he, amazing. He's in our Fields of Calantha group as well, um, but he shares mostly through our, our Shoulder of Orion page and our Perfect Organism page if you're also a fan there. So thank you so much to Inga. But also, yeah, you, uh, Inga. in terms of what he does, I, I think one thing we haven't mentioned in terms of the uh, the out, the the 
the connection that 2019 and the Blade Runner films make, the amount of fan variant posters is incredible. Every day we see something new. Like, I'm like, oh my God, that's awesome. And then the next day it's like, oh my God, that's awesome. Like, it just doesn't stop. The amount of fan, the amount of connection people are making with this these films and they're making their own posters or their own images is incredible. And I'd like to actually discuss that. And we've been talking about doing a book of fan variant art um, and giving most of the proceeds or a portion of the proceeds back to the artists who are involved. I mean, it's really, it's a really great um, community of artists. So um, hopefully we can talk about that as well during our series. Um, but we're moving on, uh, and the last thing that we wanted to discuss is a project that we've all been working on, I've been working on, Dan's been working on, Patrick's going to do the music for it, he's also been helping me co-direct a little bit, him and his, his partner Micah, uh, Gethsemane, which is a, well I'm calling it, or we're calling it 2020 Gethsemane, which is an original audio drama set between the worlds, or the time of 2019, uh, and 2049, so it's kind of that, that year. Well, it's a lot of in between, but it's like a specific time in between both of those stories. And basically, the setup is there are uh, several replicants living in uh, obviously a futuristic San Francisco on the outskirts. It's really closed down, and they are kind of live running for their lives or living as not to be seen. They're passing for human. And m the story that I've wrote, which Dan helped me co-wrote or co-write uh and patrick's also helped me with amazing stuff uh with amazing amazing insight uh it, it takes place right during that time and it and it follows these these replicants as they have a, a big decision that they have to make in terms of what they do with the uh, with the challenges that are presented to them and it's been really exciting we've been working on this for i would say almost a year maybe I feel like I wrote it. Maybe, maybe like six months. Six or seven, seven months. months. Okay. Definitely, like that, definitely yeah. solid six months. Yeah. Because I, I, I got this idea that definitely in the wake of 2019 or 2049, and I was really excited. And I wrote it in four days. And then me and Dan took a trip to Joshua Tree and we fleshed out stuff even more. And then I rewrote it. And Patrick wrote it and, or wrote it. He read it. And then his partner, Micah, who's an actress who was also in proximity, our perfect organism audio drama she read it and they gave me feedback and i rewrote it again and we've been working a long time on this and uh, we have been in rehearsals formal rehearsals with the four leads and uh, we kind of wrapped the last rehearsal scene rehearsal last night so uh the next step is to record the actual the main parts and that's going to happen hopefully sometime in december and then we have a lot of amazing people amazing friends of ours who are actors uh, who have recorded their own pieces that we need to kind of fill in the gaps um, so we can put all this together. So I'm really excited about it. It's an amazing process watching this come together. Just that the talent that it's attracted has just been incredible. Just sitting there in rehearsals and being dumbfounded by just how poetic the writing is, Jamie, and the story. Both of you guys really came up with that. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, and I cannot wait to score it. Musically, once I finish the ballet that I'm writing, yes, that's yes. my next my next project, and and I've been doing a lot of research um, to that end as well, and it's going to be an original score that's going to be based in the world of this piece, 
um, that will be unique to the project and is really inspired by a lot of the themes that we've been unpacking as the story has come together. So I think it's going to be really fun, too. And I have to say, after Proximity, which was our Perfect Organism audio drama last year, I think we came away having learned quite a bit about what makes for effective, um, you know, immersive audio work. And I think that this is sort of our the culmination of more than just this seven or eight month process of this particular piece. This is really a two year process because the journey that this thing has been on goes back quite a ways Yeah. to, you know, the seeds of it really relayed with the alien project. And now it's like it becoming its own, its own thing. So I, I can't wait for fandom at large to be able to experience this the way that we've been able to so far. And it's different because uh, obviously Blade Runner is a very visual aesthetic. I mean, we're immersed into this visual world as well. So I'm building an audio or we're build, building an audio version of that. And I really wanted to kind of walk back into this world in my own way with my own voice, but it's also familiar to other people. And I think a lot of times with fan projects, there's this people kind of go to remake or retell beats that they've already seen in other films or whatever. And I really wanted to jump into this in a way that's different in a way that feels uh respectful to this to the universe while telling its own complete story with its own different motifs that we've set up so i'm pretty excited about it yeah i think and that was the approach to um the editing i mean this is really jamie's baby and it was a tsunami of inspiration i mean i remember that week when jamie was writing and he was like i can't do anything else i have to write gethsemane and he spent four days on it and had a 50 plus page manuscript that was the script. And so, you know, we started getting into it and reading it. And um, yeah, most of the editing was us, especially as extra eyes and ears on the project. And, you know, to be able to uh, get out of Jamie's uh, first person view and, you know, when you're working on a project, it's nice to get, um, you know, input from other people. And the main process was one of exactly pulling away from these like fan films that like have some good things to them but they're really just rehashing like identical scenes from the films and it's like nobody wants to see that you're not doing the original any justice by trying to reenact really any of it and that's why we set it in a different city i think in san francisco which you know we know was and and there's some things there where you know you take inspiration from what the original setting was supposed to be you know they talked about new york they talked about san francisco and um and really trying to blend uh, Jamie's beautiful, like dramatic poetry that he has such a knack for writing into these characters that we wanted to feel like real live characters um, and, and replicants, um, but something that gave you that feeling of uh, the world that Blade Runner, you know, in 2019 came into while really not rehashing anything. And so that's that's the process that I think that, um, you know, I contributed to and Patrick contributed to, but with, that we all worked towards. And um, yeah, I'm really, really excited for this project. I think it's coming together beautifully. I, I, I already have some version of Patrick's score in my head every time I read the script. And, yeah, and of course, too. it's going to be me completely too. different. But um, <laughs> I'm excited to be able to, because you can believe that I'll be listening to that, Patrick, once it's done, like on repeat and on my headphones walking around. <laughs> it's just, just like, just like, popping down the road, going, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just a bunch of drum beats on it. It's just, exactly. Know. But on a serious <laughs> note, I really felt like the story and uh, the, the kind of economic political climate that we're in right now as humans in this world certainly in America, I just felt like the story of replicants fighting for their lives, running for their lives, not seen as human, is really important. It's an important story to tell. And I think people can understand the plight of other people, sometimes vicariously, through movies and 
dramas or whatever. And that's kind of, that's just a little bit of a window into where I come from and this, or I, where I'm kind of, for how I'm framing the story is where the window, uh, the window into a world of people who are not seen as people. And I think that that's an endless discussion. So I'm really excited about it. Well, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, we just want to give you guys an update. Uh, we are working on a couple of episodes on empathy, and that's going to come out before uh, our series launches. Uh, we, we're we all busy. The holidays are coming up, but we really want to... We've been talking a lot about empathy and how important that is and how that distinction between what makes someone human or not human is empathy. And can you be human and not be a human with, with without empathy? And I really... I'm just really excited to talk about that. And so that's going to be first, and then... Probably beginning of the year, we're going to launch into our series uh, as 2019, which is kind of timely. And then hopefully, we said February. It might not be February. It could be March. The target date was February for Gethsemane to release. We'll see. Uh, there's a lot of editing. It's a, more of a simple Planet edit. Than, winter or spring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the next 12 years. In the next 12 years. So, yeah. This will definitely so that's, come out. So that's where we're at. And thanks, everyone, for checking us out today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone.